Hey everyone, this is your friend Bully, and you're listening to Bully Esquire. In this podcast, we chat with the movers and shakers from the worlds of finance, tech, crypto, politics, law, and media, and everything in between. Thanks for joining. Let's dive in. This podcast is powered by Blockworks, the fastest growing crypto media company. Blockworks has 20 crypto and finance podcasts, and I'm excited to be part of the network. Visit blockworks.co for access to the highest quality information in the space. I promise you won't be disappointed. Today's episode is sponsored by Femix, Radix, and RSK. You'll hear more about them later in the episode. You got Joel Birch. We know him better as Birch here, the CEO and co-founder of Stacked Crypto. So Joel, how are you doing, man? Man, I'm doing really good. Uh, we've known each other for a long time. This is one of the first times that we've spoken in this way. So I'm really excited to, to catch up. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. That's one of the cool things about this podcast is I just like, I, you know, I have a bunch of friends around the space and then I just get to catch up with them and I'll just record it and call it a podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that makes it super easy when you just get to talk to people that are into the same nerdy stuff that you're into that <laughs> shit posts with you on Twitter all day. Yeah, exactly. No, we were, uh, we were, we were in the trenches back in 2017 during the heyday bull run that I'm sure everyone is sick of hearing about these days, but it's fun to go back and revisit those memories. Well, they're the only good memories we have of our time in this space. <laughs> so it's the only memories I want to revisit. The rest has sure. just been a shit show cesspool. Oh my God. The last three <laughs> years of just grinding. Yeah, it's been but, brutal. Yeah, no, that's good. I mean, you have a, a VC backed company to show for it now. So apparently you've been doing something right. And you stay busy. You got to pay the bills. Yeah, for sure. We'll get into that. I, I am curious though. And I don't think I even know this. It's like, how, how did you actually end up in crypto? I know you were at Grubhub and you kind of have been in product and tech for a long time, but how'd you go down the rabbit yeah. hole? Well, for those reasons that you mentioned, you know, working at a, like a new unicorn tech startup, um, in the earlier days and just being kind of a tech and product nerd, naturally crypto came across my radar maybe earlier than it would have for the average person. Um, and for me, um, at first it didn't really grab my attention. Like I, I certainly wasn't looking at, at the time, what I thought was the global reserve currency, you know, or the, the future of finance, um. I, I saw Bitcoin as what it's not, which is a anonymous private internet currency to you know buy drugs or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, in my case, I definitely wasn't buying drugs on the internet, but um, I did like to play blackjack. I did like to you know hit the gambling sites. Um, and there was this one that I kept getting ads for, and you could use like Bitcoin, right? To, to you know, to, to put money in. And that was important because at this time, this was in 2015. Um, at this time, it was pretty hard to like use a credit or a debit card on a, on a casino website, uh, MasterCard or Visa or what have you, a lot of times would be blocked or wouldn't work. So using crypto made a lot of sense. That's how I got into it. It wasn't until that, that's like how I first like bought Bitcoin. And, and when, when was that? Bitcoin. And that was in September of 2015. And I used Coinbase Bitcoin was in the mid to low 200s at the time. Um, yeah, wow. <laughs> it's pretty crazy to think about. But um, yeah, it wasn't as like an investment or a goal. It was just, it was the easiest way to get money into like this gambling website. So I definitely lost a handful of Bitcoin back in those days. Mm -hmm. um, 
many handfuls probably. And it was, you know, the phase comes and goes. And then it was like about a year later, right? Where I started actually hearing about Bitcoin. And the reason I was hearing more about it is because there was this like pending ETF that was going to be, that was going to be coming down the pipe, you know? Um, and that got me interested as like, and I think by then Bitcoin had gone up to a couple of thousand dollars. It got me super interested, like, you know, man, what if this 6X is? What if this 10X is? What if this 20X is? You know, you start mm-hmm. doing the numbers, right? <laughs> I was um, thinking about that the other day. Like, that's history. that's one of my favorite things in crypto to do. And I, I think a lot of people do that. I just like... Crunch the numbers? Yeah, I just like sit in bed <laughs> and like think about, no. well, what if this does 100X? <laughs> no, that's not that's not something I enjoy doing. I got, I got some buddies here in the office. They love crunching numbers. Mm-hmm. They love whipping the calculator out and just crunching numbers letting but, you know how much <laughs> so you don't think about like oh this bag will 100x and then you know my three grand will be 300 or whatever i do but i think i've done a pretty good job of like not mentally realizing unrealized gains sure we all yeah. talk about unrealized gains but a lot of people start to mentally realize those gains they start to shop for houses and things like that because their block folio says 500k mm-hmm. um you know for me i <laughs> As far as I'm concerned, I've really not made much money investing in crypto at all because I've put very little back in my bank account. It's all just been going out, right? So uh, until it goes the other way and until the check comes in, you know, I'm not trying to mentally realize too much. But of course, man, yeah, it's it's fun to think about. (laughs) And there's been a lot of success along the way. For sure. And it's it's funny you mentioned the ETF and this must have been, I guess, in the middle of 2017. And yep. <laughs> that, was, that was almost three years ago now. And we're still here. It's like Groundhog's Day talking about a ETF. I know. I, I, yeah. I actually just saw just before this, I was on Twitter and I saw that Biden's nominating Gary Gensler as head of the SEC. And Gensler's actually, uh, he taught at MIT for a long time. Um, he actually taught blockchain yeah. courses at MIT. So I think you know, from a regulatory point of view, that's, that's good. Yeah. But yeah, that is cool. We'll we'll see what happens. So, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned 2017, Uh, you, you, you obviously got more and more involved in crypto. What was that journey like from sort of the 17 bull run uh, to, to where we're at now? Yeah. Well, you know, once the, once the price action got my attention, then after that, the tech started to get my attention, right? Like I kind of got hooked in on the idea that this was a really interesting opportunity from an investment standpoint, you know, keep in mind, you know, I come from very simple, very modest beginnings, didn't even know what a stock was until I had like probably just about graduated college, like, you know, never put any thought into finance. Right. And then I get this opportunity at a tech startup that gives me these things called stock options. Um, and as a result, I have to learn about what all that means. And for the most part, it means if you're early enough into something, you have a lot of upside potential. That's what it ultimately comes down to. And so for Grubhub, that proved to be very lucrative. And then, um, as a result of spending the early part of my career working in that environment, I just naturally started to learn more about finance. I started to try to learn about day trading. I spent a couple of years, like spending a lot of time on charts and, and that sort of thing. And so, you know, I started to dig further into, into, into crypto and, I don't know, I just kind of nerded out over it. And so that journey was just um, like the rest of ours that you kind of start to dip your foot. Uh, it wasn't until I created a Twitter account or, or really just got active on Twitter that crypto would like go on to change, you know, really change my life and go on to, you know, not just be a hobby anymore. 
Yeah, and you're part of that sort of Chicago crew um, of, I know there's a, a bunch of you guys, Franklin and and others. Do you guys meet up from time to time? I know you have your offices there. Is, is that a pretty strong community you got? A lot of the Chicago crew that, that I really associate with, you know, are, are kind of my OGs who have been doing this with me from day one, my mm-hmm. co-founder, some people that work inside my company. Um, and then, yeah, I have a lot of friends, like you mentioned, like Franklin or, like, you know, um, some others that are from Chicago. And yeah, we definitely tried over the period of years to, to try to build a community here. But most of the people that I would say are strongest in my network here in Chicago are people I just met here in Chicago. Like they're not necessarily on Twitter or something like that, right? Like the people that I know that are most connected in this space, many of whom ha- are moving the, the biggest markets and make the most money, they don't even use Twitter. Hmm. Um, and so there is this whole like network, you know, outside of it. And I just so happen to have an office in the board of trade. So there's a lot of really interesting people here. Um, big time liquidity providers. It's how I kind of met like people over at Jump and some other places. So um, yeah, it, it's it's really great to have that local network. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that because you sort of sit on crypto Twitter and you're like, well, this is the end all be all of sort yep. of the- Well, the I think it makers. is. I do think it's where all the alpha lives. I'll never take that away from CT. Like mm-hmm. you, you're at such an advantage. And and not to say that, you know, I mean, some of those guys may very well just have their lists and they may have 200 followers. No one knew who, I mean, no one knew who Alex Weiss was until two months ago. And the guy's, you know, doing three and a half billion dollars in FTX by himself. Yeah. yeah um, so nice. some of these people will come to a merger, like Three Arrows, you know, they've been, they've been doing this for a while. Um, I spoke with them, uh, you know, very early in Stack's life cycle, got some really great feedback from Kyle and those guys. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you know, DeFi comes around, DeFi Summer comes around and, and they're, they start to really show their alpha and those guys are geniuses over there. So I don't know, the, the network is definitely growing for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, it does seem like everyone sort of ends up on crypto Twitter one way or another. It's <laughs> Eventually you find your way there. Right, and it's, I mean, it's, it's, it works so well for what we're doing because a lot of it's like, okay, you sort of hurry up and wait. And a lot of the stuff it's like, okay, I'm gonna put my trade in or I'm gonna farm this right. or I'm gonna talk about this. And then, so a lot of it's sort of just sitting around slap ass and with other people <laughs> that's yeah, what ends, yeah. that's what ends up happening on twitter yeah no doubt i mean i i always thought i would enjoy trading and that's why i tried so hard in the early part of my crypto journey to like learn how to do it mm-hmm. um, because i enjoyed gambling and what i learned was that uh, and, and a lot of it's just like numbers for me I, i'm just kind of like i, I don't know it, it's not even so much the money it's more about the game like I'm just kind of obsessive about winning games in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why I thought I would like trading. And it turned out I really didn't enjoy it. I, it was fine for a time. It was it was fine to do on a Saturday or something, but I didn't really want to do it for my for my living. And so I became more of just like a more of an investor, right? And try to put less time into into just the trading piece. And that's been very good for my health for sure. Yeah. No, I I don't know how full-time like day traders do it. I, I'll go like, you know, I'll have a few days where I'll, like you said, on a weekend, I might try to uh, yeah catch some dips and then sell some tops. And it's, yeah, exactly. It's, drive yourself crazy doing it. Exactly. No, some of those guys that are, you know, that, that we follow. Mm-hmm. Um, the gains. And they're and the, they're, yeah. Yes. And like, and like salsa and like uh-huh. some of these guys who are very active traders and very public about their wins and losses are absolutely, these, these guys are absolute savages. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, 
um, it's incredible. I love, I, I, I think it's hilarious. I, it's, it's so in, in the best way, like, it's just so cool that we are in a society 30 years ago, 10 years ago, this doesn't exist. This opportunity right. doesn't exist. Right. So that we live in this place where more kids from the neighborhood like me um, can be disruptive and kind of break out of, of otherwise predetermined molds. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. I, I, I'm sort of the same way. I come from yeah. poor background. Neither of my parents graduated college and you, you know, it was just like, well, you either go work at the the factory or you sort of, I don't know, you yeah. build houses or you farm or something, but yeah, right. there's this whole new opportunity set available and all you need really is a, is an internet connection and a cheap laptop and you can hit yeah. the ground. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, I've, I've been obsessed with that since I was 16 years old and I'm in my early thirties now. So for, mm -hmm. you know, quite a long time going back, had a drop shipping store, Mm -hmm. on ebay in 2007 <laughs> you know before like shopify or any of that stuff so i've always been very interested in trying to find ways to make money from my desk chair yeah yeah and it's such a it's such an attractive thought to be like well i'd rather sit at my computer and make money than like go out and you know flip burgers or well you have two hammer. options <laughs> you can either do physical labor and make money or you can do mental labor and make money yeah um you know, I wasn't built for physicality. I'm a nerd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we'll just use the brains instead. Sure. Yeah. The, the drop shipping stuff as as a bit of an aside. I, I don't know if you know Crypto Charles or Charles. The yeah, East. very well. I've been on his podcast a few times. Yeah. Yeah. He's great. And he was on mine uh, a few weeks ago and shared his like Amazon shipping. That's that stuff's yep. incredible. Um, those yep. guys are doing some really cool stuff over there at Arbitrage Shops. It's just such a, again, it's a cool, like that is not the easy money that sometimes it might look like if you're just swiping through the feed. Mm -hmm. um, that is, is real, it, it's real work, but it's just an incredible opportunity. Again, like anyone can do it if they put the time and effort into it. And Charles is going to be, will be the first one to tell you like, yo, this is not like mm -hmm. just easy money. Like this is, if it was, everybody would do it and everyone would succeed. Yeah. But there is a system. And if you follow that system and you just put in the work, the results will follow. Like, the, you know, it, it's fairly cut and dry. Um, that's sure. just so cool that people have that opportunity, right? Like, it doesn't matter where they're from or what they're doing. Yeah. No, that's it's, what I love about the internet. Right? It's and great, it's, man. Yeah. It, it levels the playing field in a way. I, that's know, what I love something. about crypto. Right. Yeah. No, permissionless, like, get, yeah. get busy. <laughs> um, exactly. So yeah. you every, mentioned every man and woman for themselves. <laughs> for sure. You mentioned you were doing like a little investing. Did you did you do any sort of angel investing or was it more like, oh, I'm I'm working with projects, help them help them get out um, and like almost like fund VC fund work? Yeah. Common well, so kind of a combination, no angel investing, but um, you know, I quit my full time job in 2017. Mm -hmm. and stacked launched in the first couple of months of 2020. Mm -hmm. So there's this gap of two full years where, you know, it, where what would eventually go on to be, you know, my full-time like business, everything else was, you know, a napkin idea first. And, you know, there was a lot of different ways to get involved, but I certainly wasn't like paying myself a salary. Mm -hmm. And so for me, you know, I wanted to take my experience with Grubhub because we had scaled that startup to a $15 billion valuation. 
And um, I felt like I learned a lot doing that um, and try to apply that to tech startups in the crypto space. And so me and a couple of buddies, we basically spent those two years doing consulting. And so what we would do is uh, we would consult with startups. Some were in the crypto space, others were not, um, you know, and we would try to help them, you know, better their, their user experience and their sales process. Um, and that was something I really, really enjoyed doing. And, and I think at my core, that's what I enjoy most about running my business today. Like of all the jobs I have as the CEO, my favorite job, you know, is that one. It's like this, it's on the sales and user experience side, like the, thinking about processes and funnels and conversion and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so that's yeah, sort of, um, it's a natural step from like the product stuff too. It's just really the other side of yeah. the aisle, I suppose. Yeah. And in the early days, I couldn't afford 20 web developers. This is not my first internet company. It's like my 15th, most mm-hmm. of which made little to, or no money in most cases, or, or ultimately didn't do anything. And for most of the early part of me trying to do different ventures was having to teach myself how to code, having to build websites myself. Um, and, you know, that opportunity was kind of presented to me because the internet exists, right? Yeah. And that, that, that free market exists. And so I was able to do that. It is interesting too how how sophisticated like the the web development platforms have become now and there's like there's so many just plug and play options you know Dale and I, I started that little marketplace we have Alpha Market and neither exactly. of us I mean I, I know like a little HTML enough to be dangerous but you just like you know you you pay a third party and then you have this like fully built out marketplace for uh, and yeah, so you don't really even need to be able to code at all at the beginning if you have an idea yeah. that's kind of within this existing ecosystem. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think that's kind of the best part about, you know, what we're doing is that mm-hmm. you can, it's just a, this free and open market. And this goes back to why cryptocurrency is important, but on the, on the internet side as well, like just ease of use. That's what we're trying to kind of bring with my business to crypto, what you're describing with like building websites. So back in 2010, I was actually having to pull up Sublime text editor and learn CSS and HTML (laughs) and build websites. Um, And that's how I got started. But now, as you said, it's a lot easier and I'm hoping that we can bring some of that user experience to crypto because let me tell you, yield farming and things like that are very difficult. Yeah, yeah, as somebody who's struggled through it the last six months, I can certainly attest to that. And I mean, we're, we're at an advantage, right? We've been in crypto since 2016, yeah. 2017. And like, it took me a fucking while to figure out yield farming and like MetaMask and getting, you know, then like sort of wrapping LP this asset. Oh my God, the the LP token stuff is such a mystery. But yeah, so I I agree with you. There's a ton of work to be done on kind of the UI side. So yeah, Yeah. let's let's talk about, I mean, we're kind of dancing around your idea. So let's just talk about it. So you launched Stacked Invest at stackedinvest.com. And tell us about it. What are you guys doing? Yeah, so, you know, the simple answer is like our core mission is to really democratize wealth management for everybody. Um, So crypto does that in part by being in Bitcoin in particular, but a lot of assets being um, really, really good performing investment opportunities over extended periods of time. So like longer periods of time, not day trading it all the way. you know, there's evidence to, to support that investing in crypto indexes or other well-structured portfolios for an extended period of time, dollar cost averaging, uh, will, out, will so far has over the last 10 years outperformed every other style of, of investing. 
And we think that trend will probably continue. The difficulty is not buying crypto, however, the difficulty is knowing what the hell to do with it. And so most people coming into the crypto ecosystem who might start a Binance account or a Coinbase account or whatever, you know, they don't really know what they're doing. So they may just buy Bitcoin and that's a great, that's a great idea, you know. Um, they may buy some Bitcoin Ethereum, they may buy a couple coins that look like food or whatever, but what we're really looking to do is, is become um, eventually or even a registered RIA, um, but really get to a place where we're curating an investment experience for users. We're making it super easy for users to not just buy individual cryptos, but actually invest in the crypto ecosystem by way of different things that they're interested in, different topics they might be interested in, DeFi, right, or privacy or gaming, mm. et cetera. So the idea basically is you can, I, I could send some Bitcoin or send some crypto after I create an account and then the mechanics on Stacked would sort of manage that for me. Well, at this, at this juncture, it's even more simple than that because you're custodying your own coins. Okay. So you keep your crypto on Binance. You, every exchange we work with our, our direct partners, you keep your crypto on Binance. And then you connect your Binance account to Stacked. Now, if you've ever had a portfolio of 10 coins on Binance, you know how much of a pain it is to log into Binance, go through the two-factor, you know, plug in the key, whatever, go through the, you know, confirm your email, then get in, and then go to the individual spot accounts. And if, if you wanted to make a, a larger market move, you'd have to individually sell, make buys or sells on all of your different assets. Um, it's so cumbersome that most people won't, just won't do it, and they'll just eat the drawdown. Mm-hmm. So with Stacked, the first thing that we wanted to do is just fix all of that. So you connect to your Binance account, and then you just don't log back into Binance. Then you go into Stacked, and if you want to move 50% of your portfolio to a stable coin because you think the market's going to have some downside, you just slide a slider over 50% for, for Tether, and Stacked will automatically adjust your entire portfolio in an equal weight um, to how you had it set before you know, to, to go ahead and move your, your coins out of the market as one example mm-hmm. to take it a step farther there's also pre-built portfolios because again going back to the idea that you don't know what the hell that you're doing connect your binance account to stack throw some bitcoin in your binance account and then from there you can just buy the DeFi index right you, you, you just know you want DeFi. you don't know anything about them you don't you just heard your friend talk about DeFi. you want to throw two grand in the DeFi. so we have three different DeFi indexes that you can take a look at and it's just a basket of, of DeFi tokens that automatically rebalances and you just click you just click invest um and stack does the rest cool and that's all done i presume via like api call and things yeah everything's through our um apis with those exchanges like i said where we work with our exchange partners closely so um you know to make sure that we don't have any rate limit issues or, or other stuff and people seem to really really like the ease of use the primary pull though and this may be a whole topic of controversy that that we can dive a little bit into if you want but is the other part of our business which is our strategy marketplace and that is where it allows traders like our friends on twitter to make trading bots available with just a couple of clicks like normally running a trading bot is a complete nightmare mm-hmm. but with stacked again you just connect it to your ftx account or your bybit account or whatever and then you click save right and then it'll automatically execute and follow right the the algo that you subscribe to mm-hmm. um that's been the huge part of our business over the first nine months of our business we've generated over three billion dollars in transactions hmm. we've automated over seventy five thousand trades um you know and that's for over ten thousand users you know in the first nine months so it, it's been a huge pull 
Um, and you have a lot of users who are very successful using trading bots. And then you have some users who aren't successful. I mean, that's just trading, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a really interesting thing for me to watch. It's something that I've really enjoyed learning more about and like watching play out. Today's episode is sponsored by Radix. In the current financial system, transactions are slow, inefficient, and expensive. And even suppose a decentralized finance platforms, or DeFi for short, like Ethereum, were not designed to support the number and speed of transactions necessary to scale DeFi. Ethereum's solution for this is sharding, which results in scalability at the cost of composability. Radix is a new cutting edge layer one platform for DeFi applications. Radix is specifically designed for DeFi, providing speed, security, and scalability. Radix uses its own next generation consensus system called Cerberus, which has achieved over 1 million transactions per second in recent testing. Try doing that on Ethereum. Learn more at radixdlt.com. That's R-A-D-I-X-D-L-T.com. Listen, I've used a lot of exchanges over the years and all seem to have their problems, whether it's a lack of volume, bad or buggy UI, or the exchange crashing when Bitcoin makes a big move. Until now, that is. Femex is a new derivatives and spot exchange launched last November by a group of former Morgan Stanley execs. Femex sports lightning fast transactions, the ability to handle tons of transactions at once so you don't need to worry about it crashing during big moves, deep order books and real verified volume. They have several different trading pairs and leverage options. They also have low trading fees and a killer ref plan. Be sure to use this URL for my welcome bonus www.femex.com slash a slash bully. Check it out. Thanks. Who said DeFi isn't for Bitcoiners? Discover BPRO, created by Money on Chain, that allows you to earn a rent on Bitcoin positions and gain free leverage. With MOC liquidity mining, BPRO holders also get Money on Chain rewards every single day. So yes, with a Bitcoin on steroids like BPRO, DeFi is definitely for Bitcoiners. Learn more about BPRO at moneyonchain.com slash Esquire. Again, that's moneyonchain.com slash E-S-Q-U-I-R-E. So, so traders, very sophisticated traders can basically create their own, I guess, trading algorithms. We call them bots, which react to certain circumstances or impacts in the market. And then users of Stacked can go and be like, well, I like the Gainsy Bitcoin bot. So I'm going to use that. And then so you basically you pay a fee and then you connect to that. And then the Gainsy bot will just automatically kind of execute these trades for you. Yep, that's right. I mean, it doesn't really get more complicated than that. So mm-hmm. um you know, the whole purpose is to keep it very simple. As a user, you would tell Stacked how much equity, like how much of your FTX account to put on the bot, how much leverage you're comfortable with the bot using. But all of the bots that people list all have default settings. So again, if you don't know anything, you just see Psychobot on Twitter and you see a lot of people talking about it. Before Stacked, the only way that you could run Psychobot was to like get a TradingView Pro subscription, you know, download an indicator, you know, find a way to connect that to your exchange account, run a Python script, you know, all this other Mm -hmm. nonsense. Now, you just connect your exchange to Stacked, which takes, I don't know, 60 seconds usually, um, authenticate. Um, and then you just buy whichever algo you want to run. And then it just executes trades, you know, it longs and shorts with the settings that you, that you have it set up. And so, yeah, it's been, it's been really cool to see. 
So if you're, you know, an experienced trader and you have a bot, is it, you have to, are you guys sort of pre-vetting these? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, what we didn't want to be is just another marketplace with a thousand strategies that all have random PLs. Mm-hmm. So we did two things. One, we decided we were going to require every algo to go through a forward testing period before it would be live in the public marketplace. And this forward testing would also be public in this coming soon part of the, the website. So when a new bot wants to list, we do not allow them to take their bullshit back test data from whatever crap they were running and put up on the site that this bot does 685% returns a month. Um, back test data is super unreliable for the, when it comes to compounding like PL returns. Um, there's other value to back testing, but it's not to see how profitable the bot would have been from a compounding PL standpoint, because um, it's never right. So the first thing we wanna do is eliminate that by adding transparency. So bots will just sit in our coming soon. They'll begin to live trade, like receive live signals in real time, and we'll track and report all that PL. And once they pass a certain threshold, and usually, and, and we also require that the bot is profitable, then we make it live on the marketplace for users to subscribe to. Um, some bots are obviously more popular than others. Some are a lot more expensive than others. There's some that are several hundred dollars a month. There's some that are hundred dollars a month. There's one that's eight hundred dollars a month. So, um, you know, it's it's really up to the user how they want to use the platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm I'm looking through the marketplace right now, and the first one is Bedrock Trendbot, and I'm clicking on that, and it looks like it has a PNL of over a thousand percent. Um, like, so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it says, how, how does it, how, how are you calculating the, the PNL? Is it like you can break it down and examine it based on the period? Yeah. So again, the whole purpose here was to provide as much data to the user as possible. And when we launch our new version of Stacked in a couple of weeks, there's even more data that's going to come to users so they can see, you know, average drawdown and sharp ratios and things like that. But we wanted to start by saying, listen, this is a collection of all the real-time trades. You do with this information what you see fit. But this is a collection of all the trades that it's made. And this is a PL chart based on if you ran this account over whatever period of time you're looking at the chart. So the period that is set by default, like what you're looking at, mm-hmm. is probably all time. Bedrock is a special bot because Bedrock is the beginning of this company. The reason the company started was because for a year prior to starting this company, I was using Bedrock bot to generate buy and sell signals um, for myself. Mm-hmm. And so that was a really shitty user experience. I was like, there has to be a better way. And now here we are. So for Bedrock, we have several years worth of actual trading history, like live trading data, not backtest. And as, as you can see, when you're on stack, you can change the leverage and the equity and the time frame to see how different account settings would have affected performance. Um, and what you're looking at is just the default account settings for that bot. But you could you could like change it to 15x leverage and say like, well, how would this bot have done if I just ran on 15x? What you'd see for almost any bot in that case is that at some point it would have been liquidated and you'd have zero dollars. Sure. Um, because leverage is dangerous. But we at least try to put those tools in front of you and say like, listen, historically, this is how this bot has performed. This is all vetted trading data. It could go to zero from here. Mm-hmm. We don't know. We can't read the future. But here's here's the data you do with that information what you what you want. And if you want to run this bot, we may as well make it the best user experience, the best customer support, the best checkout process, the best technical experience, you know, possible. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and that's interesting. You know, I've talked to I've talked to a fair number of founders over the years, and it's sort of a similar story that a lot of them have. They're like, "Well, I was doing one thing, and I kept trying to do something, and it was a shit experience." So I'm like, "Well, let's fix that," and then inevitably Absolutely. they create the company to fix that problem they keep having, and that that's the company that takes off. <laughs> Dude, let me tell you, I think that's a very very common <clears throat> experience. You know, within the entrepreneur ecosystem mm-hmm. um and the times that i have tried to solve a problem that i created or solve a problem that i saw someone else have i think i always did a pretty decent job of actually coming up with a really unique solution to whatever the problem was one of the problems i tried to solve in college was paying your tab on your phone mm-hmm. like not having to wait to pay your tab pay on your phone, right you know or not waiting in line at a club right like these are i think problems a lot of us apps that we all try to build um, I, I did a decent job, but I actually didn't give a shit about the problem. And so it never got anywhere, right? It would always die out eventually. I would lose interest. This is the first time that that's not the case. <laughs> Stacked is the first time, you know, that I had a real problem. And once we solved the problem, we were like, holy shit, everyone needs to know that this, this exists. Um, and as we look to scale it, it just goes so much beyond running a trading bot. What it goes is you know, into this intelligent wealth management platform that allows users to have a chance of actually making money investing in this ecosystem because you know better than most, as I do, because we've been around, a lot of people have blown up their accounts along the years. A lot of people have day traded their way to zero. Uh, A lot of people are set to believe when they come into crypto that they have to learn to day trade just to survive here. You and I both went through it. You and I have both spent way too much time on TradingView. Mm -hmm. Neither one of us have any business on TradingView, my guy. (laughs) you know that as well as me right you know and so um at least i can speak for myself i certainly don't belong on trading view and so for sure better way you know it's it's funny you mentioned that too because i i I was talking with a different guest about this about how i so i got into crypto i just lucked into it in like late 2016 and i was like oh oh, ethereum looks really cool i like ethereum and i went on coinbase and i think i put five grand into ethereum and if Beautiful. I would have just fucking sure. left that alone, I think I got in at like eight bucks. Are you there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm here. Oh, sorry. Um, but yeah, I got in at $8. And if I would have just left that five grand alone, it, it would be worth like a million bucks now. But of course, That's I like, unreal. I just <laughs> pittered it away and, you know, did, did other stuff. And I, I learned a lot of good lessons, but they were expensive lessons. We had a, such a similar experience because I was sitting at my desk at Grubhub before I left and I had Coinbase Pro open at the time. It was GDAX. And dude, I had a thousand Ether just chilling, you know, which at mm-hmm. the time was only 10 grand right. um, that, <laughs> that I was trying to figure out how to day trade with. Um, and I think about that now and I'm like, man, if I just didn't do any of it, like if I just had stacked, like to shield my own product, obviously, but if I just had a better way to, to, to like trust the process and just invest this long term, mm-hmm. that'd be pretty tight. Yeah. And to your point about like dollar cost averaging, I know uh, it's, it's, I, it's easy to make fun of like the, oh, stack stacks movement. Um, I, I yep. sort of joke about it on Twitter, but like it really works. And like just it being does. like, okay, I'm going to do 50 bucks a month or 50 bucks a week or whatever. That yeah. stuff adds up. So I have a very relatable story for probably the average listener. And it comes from a close friend of mine who kind of at the top of the hysteria in 2017, after hearing me murmur on about it for a couple of years, 
decided he was going to buy Bitcoin. And so he made his first purchase through like five grand and at 17K and held it all the way down, you know, for the course of uh, that year, year and a half time period, but didn't really lose conviction and continued to obviously follow my work in the space and trust kind of my conviction in it because I've never wavered in terms of what I think was possible. Um, and yeah, he just dollar cost averaged over the course, mostly over the last uh, year to 18 months, 100 bucks, 150 bucks, 100 bucks, 150 bucks. Um, we went through and kind of ran all the numbers and, you know, all in, he, you know, he was in for like eight or nine grand when Bitcoin hit all time high last week and his portfolio was up to, it was up to 30. And so for someone like him, a $30,000 portfolio in 18, in about, you know, two years time or whatever it is, um, is life changing. It's, it's a, it's a huge, it's, it, it's huge. And this is someone who bought Bitcoin for the first time at 17 K and instead of like, you know, losing conviction, he, he kind of buckled down. He dollar cost average over time, brought his average way down. And, and now obviously he's, he's very happy. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think you're right. Like it, it's, it's tempting to think that, oh, I have to, I have to go out there and make 20 trades a day, but you're just going to get chopped up and you're probably going to lose. Yeah. I'm a thousand percent confident that my investment in the Bitcoin that I allocated to a couple of DeFi baskets um, one was a market-weighted DeFi basket. It's just the top 12 DeFi coins on Binance weighted in the portfolio by their market cap, um, which rebounces monthly. And then the other one was just the DeFi index, which is just an equal weighted basket of all the popular DeFi coins on Binance. I am a thousand percent positive. The performance of those over the next 12 months will outperform anything I'd be able to do in the altcoin market myself and will probably outperform 90% of day traders. Yeah. And you'll spend one one thousandth the time. <laughs> yep. And pay way less fees and have a way easier tax situation when that's all said and done as well. Mm-hmm. Um, listen, if you if you can day trade again, if you if you're someone who really looks up to some of the guys we talked about that are from Twitter, that's fantastic. I mean, that's an incredible career that you can make for yourself. But if you're like any if if you're like 90% of us where, <laughs> you know, that's just something that's no more than a hobby. I really think there's a better way to invest long-term passively. And I think the user experience can be better. Um, and we're just aiming to kind of do that. Sure. So um, I, I know you mentioned Binance and FTX. What What's the situation for like the average American who might not have access to these other exchanges? Yeah. That's a great question. So the short solu- short-term solution is uh, we'll be rolling out very shortly support for Binance US and Coinbase and FTX US um, that will allow people to, you know, ultimately um, use one of those support exchanges. And then as we get closer to the end of Q2 of this year, we'll be rolling out our own wallet where we'll be partnering likely with BitGo and, you know, providing custody solutions for people in the US. The downside to that is you have very limited um, options in terms of which coins you can buy. Um, and that's just the downside, but we'll at least be able to offer the same coins that we would find on Coinbase and structure some longer term investment portfolios around those available coins. Um, that's our short term goal. Our longer term goal is to work with regulators alongside a lot of our crypto counterparts here in the United States, something, a process that we've already begun um, to, you know, get us to a place where we're closer to kind of reducing, um, the barrier to entry for, for us participants. 
Yeah, well, I think that's a that's a group effort, and we're all pushing yep. for that. So uh, yep. more power to you on that one. As, uh, yeah, as I was saying, you know, uh, along along with all the great people that have put so much time and money into furthering this this cause, you know, I I don't want regulators to get in the way of allowing regular folks like me or you who come from regular places, um, you know, the opportunity at what could potentially be a life changing investment opportunity long term. Yeah. And, you know, I I remember, again, I think I've referenced my getting into crypto a lot during this episode. But when I started, I think Coinbase Pro had um, Ethereum, Ethereum Classic and Bitcoin. And then if you lived in New York, you couldn't trade ETC because the DFS hadn't approved it. So it was really two coins. Um, Right. and so now I went on Coinbase Pro the other day and there's like 30 different coins. So yep. there's we're getting there. Yeah, we're getting there. It's slow and you know no more XRP. <laughs> RIP XRP. RIP. <laughs> well, that's hey, on that on that quick note, just before I forget, I mean, I've been hearing a lot of murmurings about securities exchanges, like exchanges that will roll out, that will be regulated, that will list security tokens, and XRP may be the debut listing. Hmm. Interesting. I hadn't heard about that, but I will keep my eye open. I know yeah. you're well well connected, so I'll uh, I'll be interested well, in seeing that. Yeah, I haven't you know I haven't seen anything super definitive, but I've spoken to a couple of people who I would consider to be incumbents who have spoken with confidence that there are securities exchanges kind of in stealth that are that are working on getting an offering out. So time will tell, uh, and and that's what it'll take. It'll just take some time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, the more sort of the more mature the space gets and the more money that comes in and the more interest, the more institutional investors, you know, guys like Sailor and Jack Dorsey, you know, it all brings sort of like this slow march to legitimacy. Um, and, you know, like we were talking about earlier, getting Gary Gensler and maybe maybe Biden is a little more friendly to crypto and sort of the so the political and regulatory, the institutional side, it all kind of moves together yeah. and hopefully it's moving yeah. in the right direction. I agree. I cool. agree. And I'm super excited about the opportunity in the DEX space mm-hmm. um, and more self-custody stuff. I'm really interested to see how privacy, I know you're a huge proponent of privacy tokens. Mm-hmm. You have Aero um, uh, or however your relationship is to that. Um and I'm really excited to see how that plays out too. You have this recent WhatsApp stuff with Signal and Telegram and all these others, you know, uh, censorship. Like I, I think privacy is going to be a bigger focus, and I think there could be an opportunity in this privacy coin sector. Yeah, that, yeah. You know, you never know. And uh, sort of ZEC is kind of the 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 whipping boy, so to speak, of the crypto community yeah. in a lot of ways. But it, I mean, if you look at the technology there, it's incredible. And I think a lot of the privacy coins, I had Fluffy Pony on from Monero a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, that's sure. another another great privacy coin. And I, I just, yeah, you're right. It's, it's interesting seeing all of the censorship stuff kind of come to the head right now. And necessity is the mother of invention. So I think the more that uh, people are pushed outside of these existing systems and people are more and yeah. more disgusted with sort of the centralized nature of a lot of these large corporations, people will look for solutions to that. And crypto's yeah. in a perfect place to respond to that. So I hope you're right. 
Yeah, this may be one of those, if you can't stop it, you can only hope to contain it scenarios mm -hmm. where eventually regulators come together and say, listen, man, I mean, in some way, shape or form, we're just, you know, we are a very global economy already. Mm -hmm. And that's only going to continue to increase. So try to find ways to work around it to incentivize people um, to play by the rules. I yeah. think it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. There's there's this sort of sensitive balance, I think, that regulators have to strike. And I, I, I think a lot about this and I talk a lot about it with really smart people. And one thing that people always come back to is, well, if regulators push too hard, they're just going to drive everything underground and you're going to create this sort of shadow economy and this yeah. shadow system. And that's, right. that's bad for everyone. You know, it's like, if you're a regulator, you want to strike some sort of balance where there's reasonable rules that prevent bad shit from happening, but allow normal people to, you know, have some level of privacy and um, sovereignty and the, the use of their funds and things. And I think, I think it's possible to do the, the DEX thing is really interesting too, because there's kind of this gentle peace that has been built between regulators and the crypto community over the years where like yeah. the, the on-ramps, the coin bases of the world are sort of where all the regulation happens. But if, if, if they can't really regulate centralized exchanges anymore, I don't, I don't really know what'll happen. It's kind of the, yeah, yeah the decentralized exchange thing isn't really crazy to me if that really gets yeah. traction. Cause I don't know how you stop it either. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't. I don't know how you stop people using it, I don't, and that's why I'm saying maybe they can really hope to contain it, and they try mm -hmm. to put systems in place that again are designed to protect people, but also protect their privacy and everything else. I think generally speaking, most of us want, are okay with playing by the rules. Mm -hmm. We don't want to be taxed an unfair amount, but most of us are okay paying some amount of taxes. Most of yeah. us, like most people, are reasonable. Now, there's mm -hmm. extremists on both ends, obviously, and I don't know if you can make everybody happy, but. Um, I definitely think if you put a system in place that um, and there's a lot of blockchain analytics that go on, there's a lot of, I think, opportunity, uh, you know, for there to be uh, a world where everybody kind of coexists, where, where we can do this with regulators, you know, without kind of compromising our morals, if you will. Yeah. And it, it has been impressive to watch the regulatory track. You know, I mentioned the DFS earlier and they just, they approved Gemini listing Zcash, you know, and so like, that Gemini is probably the most heavily regulated exchange in the world. And yeah. they, they list a privacy coin. So, I mean, it's, yeah. po it's possible, right? Um, and I think because that's how they see it, that's exactly what I mean by like kind of working with it or containing it is they're mm -hmm. like, well, if you're buying it or selling it on Gemini, we're going to know who you are because yeah. Gemini is going to do KYC. Mm -hmm. And so that's a perfect example of containing it. What you do after you send it off here isn't really our concern. We know that you sent it off. That's what's important to us. Yep. Yep. Continue. So I, I hope we see more of that for sure. I agree. And I'm okay. Uh, you know, people, a lot of times people talk about like getting all upset about the taxes they have to pay on their crypto gains or KY. You see all the time when people are like, oh, I'm not going to sign up for this XYZ exchange I just saw because they have KYC or, or exchanges that don't have KYC. That's like their main advertising point. Like, Hey, no KYC. It's what's the concern if at the end of the day, if you're logging to a financial institution to transact money yep. with, letting them know at a high level who you are and you know where your money came from you know in some examples i don't personally think it's super obtrusive because it's an ex it's a user experience that we already have with our banks with our mm -hmm. with our brokers uh, etc you know it's not uncommon 
Yeah. And the last thing we want to do is encourage, you know, people to like sort of what I said earlier, the shadow system, you know, that's the last thing we yeah. want. So I, I agree. Well, with any you. country that's any tried to any country in, in the history of the world that's ever tried to take a super aggressive stance on drugs has failed miserably and ended up with a worse drug problem. I think that analogy plays through here. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you know, like if you if you try to ban it, it's just probably going to make it worse. If you try to take a super aggressive stance, it's probably just going to drive people underground, like you're saying. Yeah. Um, you know, and in this case, uh, again, I, I hope that they try to work to contain it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least there's encouraging progress, I think. And Absolutely. You know, we'll see what happens. But like you said, you guys, companies like yours are doing a lot, I think, to educate regulators and help get them there and to understand the use case and that it's not just, you know, some sort of illicit commodity like people want to use this stuff to build real businesses and you know I, yeah nothing is used for illicit purposes in the world more than the united states dollar right, right. <laughs> and it's not even close there is not there's there are a few things that are uh more private than a dollar bill um good luck tracking a dollar bill um you know this is a better system blockchain public ledgers etc yeah, it's no, just that's... a matter of time, and we're just super early, for sure. So you you mentioned you you have a new release in a couple of weeks. What what's what's going to be included in that? Yeah, so you know we spent the first nine months on the market, really focusing on our exchange partners, liquidity, execution times, being from a technical standpoint as robust as possible. And so we focused on this bot marketplace where users can run trading bots and that has been great. And we're gonna to continue to evolve that, but users overwhelmingly needed more. They needed to be able to fully manage their portfolio without having to log into their exchange. They wanted to manage their portfolio across multiple exchanges in one place. They want more access to, to hedge funds or quants or other people that they can learn from or, or follow their strategies, et cetera. And so, the, the second version of Stacked uh, will launch probably in about a month. It's in beta right now, testing it out, working through all the kinks. Um, and it will allow users to kind of do all those things. It's just our next evolution, a better mobile experience. We have a mobile app coming very soon. We're going to be supporting some DeFi protocol stuff, have a wallet, you know, the list goes on. So again, our goal is really to democratize the wealth management, give people access to hedge funds, like give people access to, to Bitwise, to POMPS fund, um, to, to ARCA or Blockforce Capital, et cetera, without having to go through the bureaucratic red tape of otherwise oh. investing with them directly, so. Awesome, well, that sounds Very really excited. good. Yeah, I'm pumped, I'm, I'm looking forward to that rollout. I know, I think I saw on your website, you guys are hiring, right? I'll, I'll let you, I'll throw a softball so you can plug your hiring. Yeah, I mean, listen, we want to employ the community, right? Like we, we want to do everything we can to help people in this industry who have helped us or who want to continue to further their career. And we're largely a remote company. We're headquartered out of Chicago. Um, we do have office space here, but we have people all over the world. Um, if you have any interest in working with us in any capacity, you can just chat with us on our website and they'll get you in the right place um, at tristack.com. Uh, or you can email careers at stackedinvest.com, but we're hiring for developers, we're hiring for front end, back end, we're hiring for native mobile. Um, we're hiring inside the content side of the business, uh, marketing, and we're hiring a lot in the customer support side because we do offer pretty much 24 seven live chat support on our site, which is something you don't see in crypto a lot. And we're doubling down on that because it gets uh, really good feedback. So we're gonna continue to invest in, in customer support. 
Awesome. Well, there you go. Um, so anyone out there listening that's interested, go to trystacked.com um, and follow Mr. Birch on Twitter, one of my favorite follows. It's uh, Is it Joel Birch? Is that um, just the handle is just Bitcoin Birch. I That's did recently right. change Birch. my name to Joel Birch just so people knew my first name wasn't Bitcoin. You know, you would be surprised. <laughs> you know, people, you know, thought that maybe, you know, my name was Bitcoin. So I, I did make that change. Yeah, <laughs> well, you're not going to get a ton of alpha from my feed, but general musings on the market. Um, I don't I don't tweet a whole lot, but sure. You know, so I love so. So speaking of, I know this, this episode will be out in a few weeks, so we'll be out of date by then, but I know, uh, you know, Ethereum sitting at about 1100. What do you think? Are we, are we getting near the top or do you think this is just getting started? I think this is all just getting started. You know, what do I know? Full disclosure, Bitcoin's up 400% in four months. Mm -hmm. Do I think that we could have some extended sideways action here? I think it's likely. Um, I think it's likely. I think this looks so familiar mm -hmm. when we think back to January 2017. And I know it's not fair to do the comparison. It's probably completely statistically irrelevant, in fact, based on the amount of factors that have changed in the industry since then. But I still like to look at then and I like mm -hmm. to imagine what could be. <laughs> and when you imagine what could be, you get quite optimistic. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, I do think Ethereum is going to continue to trade higher over the course of this year. And I think the same is true for most assets in the industry. Sure. Well, when we uh, when, when I release this, I'm going to make it a point to think about where we're at then and hopefully uh, everyone's happy. Yeah, I mean, I definitely hope we're above a thousand because I have been deploying a lot of a lot of tether that's been collecting dust for some time. So. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, Joel, I appreciate you coming on. Um, yeah. Go check out TriStacked and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys put out next. Thanks for the support, man. I really appreciate it. It's really great chatting with you. And I'm looking forward to chatting with you over the next five years, too. You know, this is only going to get crazier and it's going to be really cool to see where people end up. Hell yeah. When... Council for, you know, what, you know, we'll see. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who knows? And when you're a when you get your multi-billion dollar exit, you can come on and we'll have a bottle of champagne or something. Uh, I'll enjoy that very much. Thank you. <laughs> All right, man. Well, take care and uh, appreciate it. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. New episodes go live every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Eastern. Links to our Apple and Spotify channels are in the show notes. You can also follow me on Twitter at BullyESQ to continue the conversation. See you next week.